That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Okay, welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. Dr. David Miller, naturopathic doctor here. Michelle Pavega, naturopathic doctor. What's up? I'm well, Dave. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm dealing. I'm dealing with my uh, low grade ADHD with a, another coffee in the <laughs> afternoon. It's funny. I grabbed a matcha latte today, and I try not to do a second caffeinated beverage, but it felt like that kind of a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I was like, I was like, instead of a coffee, I, I made a matcha and it was like, this is a little bit better. It's a little L-theanine to keep me a little bit more like leveled rather than a right. spike and a crash. So do we want a level Michelle Pobega though? Do we want a really leveled one? That's part uh, of your charm. Uh, uh, m- m- maybe leveled caffeine at this point of okay. the day. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate uh, you having respect for my peaks and valleys of emotions and energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> make my life way more fun and probably make the podcast more fun, too. Oh my um, God. But let's not let our ADHD get a hold of us too hard today because we're going to talk about ADHD, ADD. Right. Yeah, this was yeah. this was this was you brought this to the table. Because mm-hmm. you came across some interesting, some interesting nuggets of information around the ADHD, ADD yeah. type uh, diagnosis. So, I mean, in our pre-talk, Dave and I were kind of just sharing a little bit of, of what we thought, and it's, I mean, a lot of a lot of there when you look towards things, a lot of say there's a genetic component, but when you really think about it. J- there's that saying that genetics loads the gun and epigenetics pulls the trigger. And I really do feel like a lot of these conditions that are becoming more pronounced in the last two to three decades, maybe um, that it is very much an epigenetic type of influence that's allowing these things to just continue to get more and more abundant. Um, And there might've been a genetic potential, but I think with, with, with this, the real consensus for me and Dave is that there's so many things that be, that I think could be a contributing factor, uh, to make, to have turned that genetic switch on and just add fuel to that fire. Right. Would you say that's a fair assessment based on like you and yours and my pre-talk? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Agreed. Short answer. Yes. Um, Longer answer though, or expanding just on that, mm-hmm. like really, it, it's the same. It's the same as a lot of things. It, it, it rarely is just one thing. Yeah. Um, rarely, I would which say. Which is why, which is why there's never just 
a one pill for each disease that can be treated because it's it's just that's just not how this world is, guys. We all need to yeah. just get off of that ride. We do. Um, and, you know, in this in the spirit of uh, a, a balanced sort of approach to ADHD from an expert, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit maybe just first about what Gabor Mate, a medical doctor who naturopaths, pretty much all naturopaths love Mate. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's the gangster shit. We love him. So um, I'll, I'll just read a little bit from some, some of the things that he has on his uh, ADHD, ADD, because he uses those terms interchangeably as a lot of people do, although the hyperactivity uh, is more of a, like a thing that you see in boys. It happens in girls too. It's just ADD, ADHD, basically there's the core things are the same. One has a little bit more hyperactivity. Anyway, um, I think that's worth saying too, because sometimes people think they're different things, but really they're essentially the same yeah. same thing with a different sort of symptom picture addition. Bef- before you actually get into that, I kind of yeah. want to maybe just for the lay person listening to us and the non-medical, medically inclined person listening to us is just kind of define a little bit of ADHD just so that people understand. And then that way, when we start to talk about the Gabramate stuff, it might even just like make more sense. Um, do you mind if I just take a second to do that before you jump in there? Yeah, actually? go. Okay. Yeah. So symptoms can range in severity, but a lot of people experience symptoms of like difficulty concentrating, lack of focus, distracted easily, bored really easily, can't organize things. They lose things. They don't listen. They have a hard time following instructions. They're very fidgety and squirmish. That's basically my traits. Um, Extremely difficult to be still or quiet in their impatience. And sometimes as adults, it could also show up as more like instability in relationships, increased addiction, risk for addiction, low tolerance for certain types of people, situations, surroundings, very disorganized, pro to anger. When we had Dr. Erin Tewinkle on, she was talking about ADHD in teen girls. She says often it shows up as like mood uh, disorders, especially like anxiety-like disorders. And that's why it's not always diagnosed in girls because it really shows up from that capacity um, or this overwhelming emotional and physical restlessness and mood swings and anger as well. So those are like a lot of the big symptoms that are a reflection of this umbrella of ADHD, ADD. So I just wanted to be clear so that people who are listening can start to put the pieces of the puzzle together as we chat. So Dave, take it away. What does Gabor say? So Gabor says, rather than an uh, inherited disease, attention deficit disorder is a reversible keyword there, impairment and a developmental, another keyword, delay with origins in infancy. It's rooted in multi-generational family stress and in disturbed social uh, social conditions in a stressed society. Uh, So I... I kind of, I, I get a feel for what he's saying there. Um, and then I'll give you some of the signs and symptoms that you've already gone through. These are the ones he says, uh, frequent, involuntary, and frustrating, tuning out or absence of mind, difficulty concentrating, unless very interested in something, being bored easily, uh, beginning one thing, but going on to another before completing the first, problems keeping order physically in one's room, one's desk, one's car, often difficulty being on time, Poor impulse control manifested in speaking out of turn, interrupting others in conversation, impulse buying, and a tendency towards addictive behaviors. Uh, and uh, finally, in not all cases, but less in women, physical hyperactivity, difficulties standing or sitting still, and fidgetiness. So a lot of overlap there with mm-hmm. what he said. Mm, okay. Thanks. So, yeah. So um, we, 
I think Michelle and I, like we're sort of saying in the beginning, I think environment is sort of uh, the key factor. I mean, there's other, there's maybe other factors that are, that offer, um, well, they're downstream of the, the cause. I would say if you had to go like to cause and what you were saying, like we probably had it in our genes too, because genes just are like, they're like the letters of the alphabet or whatever. And then, you know, life helps you make words and sentences and paragraphs and all that. Mm-hmm. Like genes are just like the letters. They, they're not, they were put together by the environment. The environment is what makes them into whatever Shakespeare. So I do think the environment uh, is the key thing here. Um, and so like, we've got, uh, we've got a go, go, go society uh, for the most part. Um, you know, sort of sympathetic nervous system driven, uh, fight or flight, boom, 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 uh, that sort of thing. And then we've got, uh, and I guess I'm, I'm speaking from more like the, the Western world, if I don't know, are you allowed to say that anymore? I don't know. Uh, the Western world. Maybe uh, more like, like developed countries where it's more industrialized and developed. Let's, yeah, again, I don't know what you can say now, but anyway, um, mums. (laughs) Mums, mums or uh, biological women and mums at work uh, since like the 1950s around that time. And so, um, you know, two incomes, meaning, you know, there's maybe some lack of, of uh, attention and rearing and focus on food and other uh, attention you give your child, let's say, at, at home. Um, and then as Mate talks about multi-generational traumas, like he, he has ADD uh, and he was conceived or born. I think he was conceived in Auschwitz. Um, so that's I something. Remember. I think, I think he was conceived or I don't know. Do you get, I don't know. He was, it was something to do with his mom was at Auschwitz when I think when they, when he was conceived. So it's you crazy. can imagine the biochemical soup that his mother was uh, living in. And that's his initial sort of, um, biochemical soup environment that he was yeah. uh, exposed to. There's a, sorry, not to cut you off, but like, I, I don't remember who it was that I was like, was it Gabber Mate or was it something else? But um, there was this discussion about transgenerational trauma and they used Auschwitz as an example, like being part of that would be so difficult for someone to emotionally and mentally and physically be able to come to terms with to have lived through that so a survival mechanism is to like compartmentalize that and have it passed down through different generations so each generation helps process that trauma because it's too much for one person to actually process and I don't remember who it was that I that that information came to me from but then that would resonate in this type of a you know, in regards to even like his theories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I, I circled this in, in red on our little, uh, little uh, mind map thing here we did before. And, and that is that ADHD or ADD is, is most likely again, according to Mate, who I believe is a real ex, he's been into this, he's been into ADD zone for like a few decades mm. as a tune out adaptation mechanism. Mm-hmm. Then that no longer works as you get older or or it becomes maybe maladaptive as you get older because what what the child or infant uh, was trying to do and they're, they're probably uh, they're probably sensitive children when there's 
environmental distress uh, and probably more so in the realm of like, you know, relationships between the parents and, and uh, the emotional climate at home. If it's a lot, a lot, and it's not good, then the child uh, will tune out um, to save itself in a way. Mm. And uh, which is, which is an interesting thing. Cause it, cause it's like, um, it's, it's an act of almost passivity, which then ends up coming out as a hype, like a overactivity, you know, the yin yang thing comes through again. Yeah. It's um, really interesting. It is. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, I, th- we, we, I am going to say that I, I think Mate is closer to right than wrong with, with that sort of overall big picture of why ADD exists and maybe why it's more like, it's not like I, I have, I have a patient, I haven't seen her in a long time, but she was like, I was like the first ADD patient ever. And she's probably like 70. Um, so I was like the first one on Ritalin. Or whatever. She, she, was funny. <laughs> and she was fun. Like, like a lot of these ADD people are fun. They're engaging. They're like, they're, they're fun. They're looking for that dopamine hit and uh, they'll give you a few dopamine hits too. Um, but yeah, so it's been around for a while. Yeah. I just think it's more and more prevalent, the more crazy uh, things get. And I guess with her being 70, that would put her mom back to the fifties. So. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, even just, I was mentioning in the pre-talk kind of think about the world we live in, everything is fast and easily accessible. And even with like yeah. TikTok right now, that's another one or like t- TikTok. It's like, everything is like 30 seconds, 20 seconds to 10 seconds. And it's like people's attention. It's like, it's like we're priming people to also have this very short attention span and you get a hit, a dopamine, 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 dopamine. So then how is anybody actually training themselves to have a longer attention span. It's even the environment around us. Um, let's just say you had loving, caring parents and you had all the attention you needed and there wasn't anything traumatic in the first time over many years of your life, but it's all this other stuff that's kind of training the brain to have, a, you know, I'd be curious to see like what begins to come out with that type of research as well, because we do know about those dopamine hits and, and even with like reels on Instagram and all the stuff and you, it's like, fit five seconds or I don't even know what the seconds are right it's it's less and 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 so if you I don't I remember reading like how to design your website or whatever and and people were saying even this is years ago they're saying you've got about four seconds to get someone's attention and if if you maybe less now I don't know it's it's literally like three or four seconds to get someone's attention now so that leads to where I was saying now this is just my this is my just personal view. It's not like research based or maybe it is, but I don't even know. I actually think some of ADD related to what Michelle's saying with like, okay, maybe you don't even have any genetic trauma or multi-generational trauma. Maybe everything was hunky dory at home, but life's friggin' fast and crazy. And so I actually think some of this is adaptive, not yeah. maladaptive. Yeah. Like because learn, like it's a learned behavior. Yeah. And, and because the world, I mean, I, hmm, it's hard for me. I don't know. I, I love when I get like those patients that come in that they're clearly not ADD or, and are often older and they're just like steady with what they do. They're like steady. I do this. They know how to focus on this. And they, they come in with everything that's documented and the things that matter, they spend the time on the things that matter to them. And they're not like doo, 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 all over the place. However, 
um, maybe we'll see less of that in in the future be- because of uh, the way things are. I think some mm-hmm. of this ADD is going to be adaptive and offer some advantage. And and th- these people are quite engaging a lot of the time and f- and like funny. And when they're good at what they're good at, like if if they if they learn how I've got two. Well, I had a mentor uh, for a while there and he, he's probably 60, almost 60 now. And he had ADD big time, but his dad who old school dad said, son, you've got some gifts. Let me give you a, a bit of an operating system to follow. And this guy's like successful in many ways. Hmm. He's got wonderful in ways that, you know, are important. Like he's got mm-hmm. wonderful relationships with, so many people and everyone if you talk to about him will think he's a wonderful guy and he's excitable and engaging but he never misses anything in terms of like scheduled things he'll never miss a deadline he he's got all the other so you can turn it into a kind of superpower if you know how to harness it Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i mean yeah so it's just interesting to think about it from like that type of an environmental side of things the mental emotional side the environmental side the learned behavior side the possible deep trauma side of things, which I think a lot of people, maybe it's only becoming a little bit more investigated in the last decade or so, that influence on the development of ADD and ADHD. I mean, prior to 10 years, 10 years ago, I mean, when we were in school, a lot of it was, I mean, I think some of it is more again in the last still 10 years because gut health has become slightly better understood in the last decade. There's Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like the deep ocean where there's so much we yeah, don't know it is about. Like that. <laughs> um, it and is like uh, that. Uh, but the gut, the gut brain connection for sure plays a role. And I mean, we've seen it time and time again. If you can't absorb nutrients, it's going to affect cognitive function, mood, brain function, nervous system regulation. If uh, food sensitivities play a big one, so these are the things that I, as a naturopath, can help support. Um, and I would refer out to work with a counselor or someone to help unpack if there is any kind of trauma or other kinds of mental, emotional, deeper stuff. Um, but as a naturopath, like I'm like, let's check for gluten and dairy sensitivity. Those have been found to act like opioids in the autistic spectrum and ADHD spectrum of, of the population um, where they're highly addictive and extremely disruptive from a gut brain connection and from a mood and ability to regulate. Um, so, so there's a lot of things there too. So um, that's not going to make it better, whether or not it's the true well, you, reason you know, might, why it was might, flipped though. on or not, but, but whether, whether you it's might make tr- it better, no, but I'm saying it's whether it's the true cause quote unquote, it's definitely going to support management in Absolutely. a massive way. In a massive way. And there's, and there's a, we have a colleague of ours who works in this, in this area. And I remember listening to a story. His name is Dr. Jonathan Beatty. Shout out to him. We'd love you to have, have you on the show. Um, and I remember I was at a conference or a webinar or something. And it was, I can't, I don't remember what it was, but he was speaking and he was talking about an experience with a set of parents and their daughter had, um, she was, she was on the ADHD or autistic spectrum. I can't remember which one it was, but he works in both of those realms. And he finds that going gluten-free and dairy-free makes a wildly massive impact on people's quality of life. 
So he instructed the parents to, to, to put the child on this type of dietary habits. <clears throat> they did things got better, but then things got worse again. And it was perplexing because they were being like squeaky clean about it. But what they found is that she developed an addiction to licking the backs of her stickers. This story always blows my mind. She developed an addiction to licking the back of her stickers and she was probably like five or six or something like that. She's deep into stickers. She's five or six. Right. And they tested the glue and there was gluten in the glue. So like a true addict, she found her fix. That's how strong these types of molecules are. I think in I think in the humans across the board, these types of things are quite detrimental, especially the quality of them these days compared to 50, 60 years ago. However, in that population, it seems to have an even stronger addictive type of quality to it. And uh, she found her fix in the glue of a sticker. And it was her it was it was her it was her uh, it was her it was her hit and then it made her like super excitable and then her symptoms well, they love a dopamine just, hit right that's just it and it's wild to see how how impactful that type of thing can have on someone's behavior mm -hmm. licking the back of a stickers completely dramatically changed her behaviors mm -hmm. it's it, like i think we can't take for granted the impact food has on our sense of well-being and then if you have a gluten and dairy sensitivity and gluten's been found to cause leaky gut and to cause nutrient deficiencies now you're also going to impossible absorption issues. Then you're going to start having maybe a deficiency in B12, a deficiency in iron. And those can be really impactful on mood behavior in, in these types of conditions, zinc and, and essential nutrients and omega-3 fatty acids and all these kinds of things. So um, from my perspective as a naturopath, that's the area that I would probably focus on. But I love that we're bringing in that whole, the other side of the environmental influence. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes, you know, you create a prop. So I've talked about this recently with some patients, like say something happens psychologically, they have a trauma or psychologically something happens uh, that downloads then to maybe they get a lot of gut, gut issues after that. Hmm. Now, maybe the initial inciting event changes and they actually resolve it let's say, or they process it in some way, but they still have a lingering stomach issue. So now you have another problem where you only had, you know, you, you had one and now it's two, but then the first one gets better. Now you still have to fix the other one. So yeah. I think that's relevant for what you're saying. Like, don't, um, I, I, I hope, I hope people don't take it that you're selling it short in a way, because if you mm -hmm. do, you do have to fix those things that are downstream yeah. as you, because we, I mean, can we change the genetic environment that we were conceived in? No, but um, we have to know about it to maybe for next generation. But, you know, let, let's talk about iron this is a good example, too. So if you and I'm, I've seen most of the kids I've seen with ADD are iron deficient, hmm. which is funny because uh, well, not funny, which which then leads to another problem, because guess what iron's required for making dopamine. Hmm. So now you've got that's another example of one of those compounded problems. So you do have to give iron. Like, for example, if you want your Ritalin methylphenidate to work better and make more stimulate, stimulant uh, neurotransmitters, because that's their problem is norepinephrine, dopamine, uh, neurotransmitters, that whole area is the, that's where the pharmacology is focused. If you want those to work better, well, you better make sure they're not iron deficient. You know, so, cause, so that, that is another sort of compounded problem. And, and today almost, dovetails or whatever off of uh, last talk which is on the vagus nerve mm, because yeah. 
because that that emotional regulation uh, component of the vagus nerve, and probably talking about the vagus nerve is what made me think about ADD. Um, that has a huge influence on then downstream again microbiome, which you hear a lot of people talk about microbiome now and ADD, which is great. But guess yeah. what's guess what's determining a lot of the issues in the microbiome? Your vagus nerve, your vagal your vagal tone. And so you can see how that sort of ties in. And now you've got maybe a therapeutic opportunity with the vagus nerve, with iron. Um, and, and I have seen those to be an issue with uh, the kids. I haven't seen like, it's not a focus at all in my practice. Mm-hmm. But most of the kids I've seen with ADD, they're, they often are scared at night. So when you're scared, vagus nerve, you, gotta, you have to think about it. I don't feel safe. And they have iron deficiencies and other deficiencies too. And also watch for uh, motility disorders, uh, constipation, the long-term constipation that ends up with, um, you know, bowel problems presenting as uh, urinary issues. So problems with the, the bladder, king of bed, bedwetting that are actually from uh, maybe a bolus of stool that's not moving properly because they're again vagus nerve hello the motility of the of the uh of the intestines is is affected mm-hmm. can i also add in, uh, can i also add in like my favorite topic possible of course. parasites, <laughs> possible parasites. We, didn't, we didn't yeah we didn't have it on our our thing bring it in parasites because parasites will also deplete your iron So if you have an iron, if you already have an iron problem, you still have to identify why you have an iron problem. Like, I also understand that (coughs) from a generational perspective, my grandmother was iron deficient during really like terrible times because of the war. And then my mom was conceived in her while she was iron deficient. So me and my sisters all have to be mindful of that. And it's gotten a little bit less severe with each generation. So sometimes I guess if you're born in a, an environment that is also iron deficient, your offspring will be as well. However, we also still need to start asking, like, are there other reasons for your iron being low? Microbes love to rob you of iron nutrients and B12, both of which are important for your neurotransmitter production. Yeah. Right. So, and also parasites make anxiety worse. Parasites increase cortisol at night. So if you already have this it doesn't mean the parasites are the problem, but it's probably going to make your symptoms worse and it's worth looking into. I'm just going to so put one it out of those, there. Yeah, no, it's one of those, right? comp- it's like what we're talking about when things start to compound that, on top of that. each other and you do kind of have to trim some of the branches and as you get to the trunks and the root. Yeah. And it goes and back fine. to even, even goes back to what you said earlier, you might've had a trauma. And I talked to this with my clients too. I was like, if you are not able to process certain things and you just push it down, that manifests sometimes in physical, like, like, uh, Joe Dispenza says energy is uh, emotions are energy and motions and matter follows energy. So if your emotions are like, I'm gonna choke it back, then that Ooh. might show up in a physical thing. And that could then again, like you said before, start to affect you on a digestive level. So now you have more of a weakness on a digestive level, which might allow you more microbes and pathogens to flourish in such an environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it spirals. Right. So even even if you have or have not addressed the trauma, you still have to go and unravel that whole spiral that kind of took place for someone yep. to feel their absolute best again. Right. Yep. 
at least yeah. the best you can. And I, I thought it was interesting because we were looking at uh, Vegas Nerve last last time we talked. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking at um, you know, how that might apply to AD, ADD. And I, I don't think there's enough research on it. I, I hope there'll be more. But but they have used, um, you know, that heart math and heart rate variability. Yeah, everyone's got they, their Fitbits and stuff on. and and Yeah, so heart rate variability is is a way to sort of look at vagal tone or... or um, uh, What's another way of, of, of calling it? Um, Sympathovagal balance. Mm. Um, and, and so uh, that's interesting because it's almost like a brain heart brain connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that heart rate variability. I mean, think when you're, when you're in, in Chinese medicine, the, the, isn't it that the Shen is housed in the heart? Yeah, the I heart. So. Right. So the spirit, the shen, the mind, uh, and the heart go together in, in Chinese medicine. I think that's very interesting. And, and when you have imbalances in the heart and the shen, shen disturbance, remember that in Chinese medicine, <laughs> there's some like correlations with psych- psychiatric conditions. And, and they, those people too, show issues with heart rate variability. So I think, again, the, the heart math or, or maybe those, those types of, um, heart rate variability uh, training might be ways in for, for this that are, I mean, safe and, and, uh, and, you know, you can do it, you could do it daily. And I, I think it would be helpful um, to do in addition to whatever else you, whatever other fires need to be put out in ADD. Mm-hmm. I was just looking something up where you're talking in the extreme, a mind or a Shen disharmony and Shen is, um, where did I see this, uh, is said to live in the blood vessels, which is part of the system of the heart. And it's said to be nourished by the blood. That's this one particular website. And then it says an extreme disharmony of the Shen can result in irrational behavior, unconsciousness, incoherent speech, hysteria, delirium, inappropriate responses to people or the environment. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And also, I think that's why that product that I use a lot of time uh, for sleep and, and relaxation, Serenogen by oh, yeah. um, Metagenics, it, it works on the heart, uh, blood, the blood works on the blood. So there's again, some link between blood, iron, anemia, uh, and the mind and the Shen. So some nice relationships there. Um, pulling together some east-west medicine there and mind-body medicine today guys like it's just don't ever take for granted the impact of unresolved emotions and trauma and stuff they can have on your system long term Mm -hmm. i mean it's why i'm always such a big advocate for people working with someone skilled to helping you unpack the things that need to be unpacked in a safe environment that allows you to process them um, whatever that may be, but I'm a big believer in that. And I feel like it just continues to show up and get solidified. The more I work with people in this practice, that that is such a massive component to healing. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're quote unquote crazy or have a mental disorder. It means you're human. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I should, and there's one, there's one more thing I, I should say too, is that I think the if it's not obvious from everything I talk about in the past, I sound like a broken record, but the stomach is the way in. And that's why I think the food sensitivities are, 
are very helpful in these people because they have their vagal tone is less. Well, guess where the vagus nerve, guess where the vagus nerve follows the course of the esophagus and stomach. Sorry, guys, say it again and again. I was just, um, I was waiting for you to bring up the stomach, Dave. <laughs> I know. Just, but, but like you're probably waiting for me to talk about parasites. I mean, it's just how we roll. <laughs> but I, I honestly, Michelle, like, and, and it's okay. I, I struggle with this because I feel very biased. I feel, I feel like I say that all the time, but I'm like, part of me thinks, am I onto something here? Like, or am I just crazy? And I'll leave that for uh, everyone else to, to figure out. But I think it's a bit of both. The stomach is the way in for a lot of the gut. I used to think it was like, oh, start with probiotics and all, and all this stuff. But really, the more sensitive someone's in, uh, sensitive state someone is, if they eat normal food and they're sensitive, as soon as it goes in within half an hour, it's your stomach. It's not your anus. You know, like it's it, this when it's when it's fast and it's very you get like a pretty quick response to something or you don't like the taste of it or the texture of it or you can't swallow it properly or some sort of gaggy reflex. That's the stomach and food sensitivities have a lot more to do with the stomach than everything. I don't hear. I don't hear much about it. It's all about like in, don't hear much about the stomach and food sensitivities. Anyways, that's why I think food sensitivities in these kids because of their vagal dysregulation, um, I think food sensitivities are one of the, this is one case where I would, I would go more uh, in the food sensitivities than I would generally because their stomach's so sensitive. Here's the thing that I have to say about that. Go. I'm fine with you being a broken record about that. Just like you're fine with me being a broken record about the liver and the gallbladder and parasites. And I think the reason behind this is because we have started to see certain patterns that have been often neglected and people, yes, we talk about the stomach, but we usually talk about the stomach in the sense of stomach ulcers, stomach acid, GERD, things like that. But we, we, I think we undermine its importance and its relevance. And I, I view the same thing about we've undermined the importance and the relevance and the abundance of parasites in this world, just because the measly, puny, and frankly, absolute garbage tests that standard medicine uses to find parasites, they're terrible. So just because those terrible tests don't find them doesn't mean they don't exist, right? And same with the liver and the gallbladder. Just because we're not seeing stones until someone gets an absolute attack to the point where they're like, now we have to remove your organ doesn't mean that there wasn't a buildup happening in the first place. And we don't just get rid of the organ. You have to deal with the upstream issues in the first place. This is like, these are the things that I think have been undermined, undervalued, but are where you and I, and I'm sure other people in various other parts of the world are starting to realize they are are far more critical than we've given them um the weight for and i feel like it's it's fine to start having these conversations and bringing it up more and looking at how the body functions better so uh i'm okay with you bringing up the stomach again oh thanks you know like because i feel yeah. you know I, I, like you you you've you found a, a missing piece of the puzzle and you're and you're you're allowed to say it loud and proud a fun fun in fact, I touched someone's uh, liver today just lightly and she almost passed out. She had no. sort of a vagal, she had like a, and it was light. Anyway, I just, that's mostly for you, not for the listeners, Michelle. I just thought I'd share that with you. I thought it was very interesting. Just touched her, uh, just touched her posterior, sort of posterior lateral side of the liver. And she was like, she had to lay down. She felt flushed and sweaty and vagal response. So Why? Oh, even God. your liver, even your liver 
and the vagus nerve go together. So I think some of our love for the liver and the stomach is conflated with um, the lack of understanding we have with the vagus and that it's, it's all up in there. It's all up in there. Vagus nerve people. Anyways. Yeah. So um, we didn't talk about uh, sort of methylation and and a lot of real nerdy stuff because I I think other people do that better uh, than us. Well, I know they do it better than I do. Um, The Doherty's, uh, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people who are looking at sort of genetic um, predispositions to methylation Mm -hmm. issues and all that, blah, blah, blah. You can look, you can look up SNPs all you want. I don't, I don't find that stuff that doesn't really get me going as much as the stuff that we talked about, the bigger picture stuff, but it's relevant. Um, and uh, we didn't talk too much about pharmacology, but it looks like methylphenidate and other drugs work in some people. They, no, that, that wasn't and, the purpose of our discussion. No, it wasn't. But I just wanted, to, I just thought I'd sort of bring it, bring it a little yeah. bit more together. And then um, oh, there's something else I wanted to say about these, uh, about these kids. Yeah, you're not. I something uh, Mate talks about too is that like there's some good sides like we sort of alluded to about ADD that it might be adapt that's adaptive in a way too. I well, that's my that's my word or what I'm thinking. Mm. But but the, some people will say, oh, why, I don't want to cure, I don't want to fix my ADD. It'll change me, and I'm you know I've got all these kind of like superpower aspects of being ADD, and uh, I, I that's it, it actually. It, it won't it won't affect the bad sides when you mm-hmm. when you treat things properly that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the sort of the good news the good sides will stay and then you can hopefully manage your life with a little bit less chaos and more awesomeness yeah, yeah. cool i hope you all enjoyed our just observations again these are not diagnostic things these are just things that we have collected we've seen we see connections with possibly and maybe so so there was just merely a conversation around alternative ways of addressing and looking at ADD for everybody so I hope everybody enjoyed it yes thank you for listening okay Michelle see you next week see ya